Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. I am your host, Laurie Brooke, and together we will get to take a look at what goes on behind closed doors. Today, I am joined by Carrie-Anne McKenzie. Hi, I'm Carrie-Anne McKenzie, and today I'm talking about conscious relationships and how to create a conscious relationship after you've had a separation and separating from a lens of love and compassion and letting go of hate. Carrie-Anne McKenzie is a solo mother of three, entrepreneur, conscious creator, nature-loving, magic maker based on the West Coast of Australia. In her day job, she's an ethical marketer and online business manager. Beyond the day, she inspires others to blow up the social norms and consciously create life on their terms. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Relationship Talks. As you would have heard from the introduction, I'm here with Carrie-Anne, and she has such an interesting story when it comes to creating We've already had a chat for half an hour before we started recording the podcast episode. <laughs> Being able to chat to a fellow Aussie is really nice to start off with. So thank you very much for coming on and wanting to share your story. Thanks for having me. That's okay. I really, what I love about your story so far is that you have made some changes in your life, but you've done it from a place of love and of friendship and compassion and really forward thinking about what your future is going to look like. So can you share your story for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So it was 2020 when I had just come back from a, I would say a trial separation. My partner and I did a trial separation. We got back together and we're like, let's give it one more go for our kids. The pandemic happened and we were in an environment where we were really constantly together. And something strange happened in that year. We didn't argue. We didn't fight. We were really team orientated. Everything was really good. And at the end of 2020, I still didn't want to be there. And I thought, you know what? We've done all the work to get to a place where it's harmonious and I still didn't want to be there. So we had a, we had one argument and it was centered around my lack of intimacy and wanting to be there. And after that, I said, you know what? I think I'm ready to separate. And his response was, do we really want to do this? There's no real, like there was no real reason. And he said, we can't just separate. And I'm like, yes, we can. It's our life. We can do whatever we want. And we don't need to explain ourselves to anybody. We just have to work through this together And he was like, can we? And I'm like, we can, absolutely. And so we went through a week of really like acknowledging in each other that we were going to do this. We made a conscious decision to live together and integrate it into our children's life that we were separating and that we were going to have a alignment with still being parents, even though we're separating. And that was really important to us. We looked at things we can replace. So we looked at can we, what can we replace? Hate with love, frustration with patience. And we went through ways that we could do that. The time we lived together was, was quite beautiful, although it was painful. The separation and the grief was still painful. Being in the same household for us actually really worked and it helped us integrate a lot of stuff. And financially, for me, I didn't have a job then. I didn't know what I was doing. I, I had no idea. So financially, it was easier for me to be in that house as well. 
But we really decided that we wanted the process to be as conscious as possible and full credit to my ex-husband for putting a lot of his pain to the side and allowing us to work as a team together in that space. And he would always say to me like, well, what's the point if we blow up at each other and we hate each other? What's the point in that? And I was like, yeah, what is the point? And although everyone around you will want to have some concrete reason why you're doing this to make them feel better about why you're breaking up or splitting up a family, which I don't like to use those words. I think they're very negative, but they want to know, like they want to have an explanation. Why on earth would you do this? Because it's really selfish, right? Just to walk away from a family or your own personal needs. If the most parents of my age group will want to have some concrete reason for doing that and selflessness and staying in a marriage was very normal for them. So for me to just be like, I want to be independent and I want to have a great love. I want to experience all the things. I want to be sexually active in my life. All of those things was not a good enough reason for the people around me. And they won't be for many people. And I say to that, stick to what is your truth. And who cares what anybody else thinks about you because it's your life and you only get that one chance to make it really beautiful and lovely and spectacular for you. And if you allow anybody else's opinions in those moments to influence you, you will always be unhappy and you won't be living your truth and you won't have that sense of freedom and expansion that we all crave as individuals and humans. So that's how our separation happened. From there, it was a wild show of lockdowns and moving state to state with kids and jumping borders and like just crazy insane things to move to the other side of Australia. But we collectively agreed that the best thing for our kids was to be in your family. So he moved his whole life and I moved my whole life to the other side of Australia where we had more support from people that we loved so that we could be single parents and still have support and also that unity with each other to go together so that our kids always had both parents with them. It is such an amazing story and I think one where there are so many expectations placed on us when in our role as mum, in our role as wife, in our role as a business owner or friend mm. or daughter or whatever that role is that you're playing at the time. And there's, you can feel like I shouldn't do this because mm. a lot of people are going to expect something different from me and I shouldn't live the life that I want because I should be happy as being a wife. There's nothing wrong with my marriage. There's nothing wrong in my relationship. Everything seems to be okay. But to make that step and to be so courageous yes. in doing that is such a powerful message for your daughter and for your children. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I think there is so much fear when you're walking away from something that is actually okay. And we had all the things. He had the great career. We had all the things, all the surface level things. I had the short platinum blonde bob. Like we had all the things down packed, the normal mum and dad things. The expectations. You've ticked the boxes. Ticked all the boxes and I was miserable miserable. And so for him, he was living in a relationship where 
the other person that he loved wasn't showing up for him and wasn't showing up for him emotionally. I mean, as best as I could as a friend, but intimately not showing up for him. He needed to be loved and cared for. And I didn't have the capacity to do that. I've done healing work since then to know where that came from. Love in my conscious brain was always going to result in being hurt because I was in a domestic violence relationship when I was young. So I always had a wall around my heart. So for him, he's living in this relationship, giving it his all, and this woman is giving him nothing. And I often look back at that and I go, oh, I didn't even know that's what was happening when I was in the relationship. I just knew I wanted to be out of the relationship and that he deserved better. And I remember sitting and just praying, please, will you send him like the most amazing woman that he deserves that will love him for who he fully is and can give the capacity of everything I wasn't able to give him to him. And it was six months after our separation, he met this amazing woman through Tinder or something. But they went on a few dates when we met. She was in Western Australia. They went on a few dates. And then they found out that they actually had slept together when they were 18 and had forgotten about it because it was just party days and like full circle, the universe brought them back together kind of thing. And he's so happy and is so loved by this woman in the way that I could never give him that I'm so grateful, not only for my own selfish needs that I walked away, but for him to be able to feel valued and loved in the most highest regard that intimacy can offer I am so grateful that he gets to experience that in his life now as well. It's such a gift for me to be able to witness him in that space too. So, yeah, there's so much. children to see that. Massively. For my kids to see people in love around them, that's huge. And I I felt recently my 13-year-old said to me, because I have a new partner, and he said to me, when I look at you and Tim, I actually believe in love and I was like, because I've had to do so much work to get to the point of loving and letting someone love me. And it was like, for me, it was just, I was in tears, like holding it in, just being like, everything I've done is worth it for my son to believe in magic, the magic of love. And my son is gay and so he already has all of this I'm not sure if love is for me kind of thing will it ever happen and because he's such a young teen in an environment Christian environment where people don't often accept that part of who he is for him to see true love in his own household is a really beautiful thing but not just my household also his dad's household and so that's really magical for him to get to witness and see that. Tell me in terms of your co-parenting relationship, because it sounds absolutely beautiful, but I want to be real about it. And yes, there would be times where there are hurdles and uh, that there are obstacles oh, and challenges that you have to face. How do you yes. do that? Everything was really easy and amicable and brilliant and wonderful. But I will say this, when you don't address the pain or the hurt, that a person or a breakup has caused you and you don't really process that. It will surface later and it surfaced later for my ex-husband. So rightfully he was incredibly hurt 
by our separation and didn't take the time at the start of separation to process that. So a year and a half in, it was an explosion of emotions. It was an explosion of I'm angry at you and I'm like, what can I do here to make this okay? And so I decided to take responsibility and I said, this is what I was to you in our relationship. That's what through the lens of your eyes. That's what I must have been and I'm going to accept it and I'm going to apologize for that and I loved you. I always loved you, but I was never able to love you in the way you deserved. And I acknowledged that I didn't give that to you. And that was like this moment of, okay, is it more important to be right? Or is it more important to have a good relationship with this person? And for me always, it's more important to have a good relationship with this person. So instead of blaming and pointing fingers and going back to things that happened 10 years ago and like wasting all that energy on something that is just going to go around in circles, I just went, no, I can just take responsibility and apologize. And I don't have, I don't have to be the one who is always feeling the guilt and the shame or the things like that. That's not what I mean by taking responsibility. It's more just acknowledging, okay, cool. That's how I, that's the role I played according to you. Fine. What can we do now to move forward? And so that was probably our biggest hurdle in the whole overall relationship of co-parenting. But little things that come up, we honestly don't have a lot of problems. We very much see eye to eye on parenting we every single time there's a hurdle for one of our children, we just get on the phone. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, Molly today. <laughs> and he's like, I know, Jerry. Like it is this beautiful teamwork that's happening. And we never, we don't seem to go at each other. Is there things that I do that frustrate them? Sure, shit, there would be because I'm a really different person to, he, to who he is. And Equally, there's things that he does that kind of I wouldn't do or that would annoy me. But you have to pick your battles and you have to really, is it worth it to create an issue out of this or is it easier for me to acknowledge something and voice it in a calm manner, take a couple of days to mull it over before you respond? Like those responses as opposed to reactions are so important. But the most important thing is that it's you have to let go of your egoic need to be the one who's right because that doesn't matter when it comes to kids. It just no. matters their happiness and their well-being. I love how you pointed out, though, that at the start, the blow-up that he had, explosion mm-hmm. that he had, yeah, and he was depicting what he saw of you as his partner during the relationship and you can't change that mm-hmm. nothing you could have said at that point would have changed that so the only real option instead of having the battle was to say you know what i'm sorry for how that came across for you and what that felt for you yeah and there were truth in that there was truths in there that hurt because his for him his truth was that you were always in love with someone else throughout my whole our whole marriage and our whole relationship, and there was a truth to that element. I was in love with my best friend for my whole relationship. A part of me was always in love with him, and he died towards three years before, two years before our separation. And he had to acknowledge 
throughout that whole relationship that I was at an arm's distance away because I was still in love with my best friend. And that's really horrible and awful that he had to experience that. And when he said it to me, I was like, oh, how horrible that you had to know that our whole relationship, like it makes me want to cry now that he had to feel like I couldn't be there for him. And that was a truth. And he was blowing up, not just about that, about a lot of things. It was all out that day. But that was a truth that was really hard for me to sit with because I was so super responsible for causing someone so much pain. And that's the taking responsibility part. As far as how people see you and the lens they see you through in your relationship after your relationship is finished, you have no control over that. But also it's it can be very different to how you saw the relationship. And so you might be like, it was actually pretty chill and it was actually okay. And for them, it was not, it was totally different. And if you try to be like, oh no, it was this and we had good moments and we had good times and they're in this really different place. That's so manipulative to try to make them be in your place. It's better to just be really aware that individual humans have different perceptions and we're always going to perceive a relationship in a particular way. And sometimes we even create the story of the relationship to suit and meet our needs as well. And I think that's really, I never knew that, that that's what people do. And my my new partner and I were discussing one day and he mentioned it to me and I said, well, that's fascinating, isn't it? Like we actually will put on the lens of how we see something to justify what it is that we're feeling in that current moment. And it's not all true. And you can focus on just all the bad stuff or just all the good stuff and you'll get two different outcomes of what that relationship was for you. It's no different to a conversation that you have with a group of people and Chinese whispers. You come away and everyone has a different take on what was being spoken about, what was the important part of the conversation. Exactly. We all come to relationships with our own our own lenses and that comes from our background, our cultural upbringing, how we're feeling that particular day. There's so many different elements to how we show up and then what we take back. So owning that and understanding that not everyone's going to see things the same way is so super important. Yeah. And what would your advice be for anyone who like in the moment when you're having, when your story of what happened is very different to the other person's story, do you have advice for people and even for myself in that moment, how do you navigate that? Is it just a matter of allowing there to be two stories and coming to peace with that? Or what is your recommendation there for anyone who struggles in the moment? Because that's a big, it's a big thing that can happen. Yeah, it is. And I think it depends on the circumstance in terms of how you need to react. Because if you can give it space and you Mm -hmm. can go, well, we've just got two different stories and walk away and both mull over that then that's great. But sometimes the circumstances don't allow that yes. and you have to respond. And you can say things like, well, I didn't see it that way. I'm sorry you saw it that way. Yes. I'm sorry that's how that played out for you. Owning and taking that responsibility like you and your ex did I think is so super important. Yeah. And I think the other thing that is valuable for anyone who's going through or navigating 
a separation or trying to do conscious uncoupling. I think we called it that at first. Didn't feel very conscious at many points in that process. <laughs> we tried to call it that at first. <laughs> but there was some stuff that happened that was not very conscious. But I think any kind of like person who's going through this is to really sit with the idea that it, it's okay to not have the this idealistic outcome that you do want to have. So like for me, I wanted to I come very optimistic, happy, bubbly person. So I'm like, I want to go to lunch with your new girlfriend. I want us all to have family dinners together. I want it to just, yeah. and hey, dude, I just want to let you go. So I don't want to have to do all of that stuff. I don't want to be besties with your new partner who wants to take me for beers. It's just, no, I don't want you at my wedding. <laughs> and I've learned that you have to let go of what you want as well. So the stories that you're both carrying, you can't control those, but you also can't control the story that happens and plays out in the future. It You can't paint it inside your head and then get upset if it doesn't happen that way. And I found that really respecting that he doesn't want me to meet his new partner. That was heartbreaking for me, but really it respecting, okay, whatever the reason is, it's a reason and it's enough for you not to allow that to happen. I mean, I'm like the weirdo who's like writing welcoming letters to like his new partner. And I write her, he's like, is that a gratitude letter for my new partner? And I'm like, he's no carry. <laughs> but it's like sometimes you just have to really accept when you're going through the separation. Yes, there's two stories. And yes, there's also two outcomes and be okay with the idea that you have maybe it's not fully going to work out. And that doesn't mean you don't have to be conscious and it only takes one of you to be conscious in order to have a conscious separation. It doesn't actually take two people. It just takes one person to be in that space of conscious awareness of what's going on and the responses you have, I think, to have a harmonious separation. Absolutely. So I'm curious now, moving forward, creating new relationships, what yeah. has that been like for you? <laughs> so first of all, I will say I was really bad at love and really bad at letting people in, really bad at communicating my needs, my desires, and I was a bit of a basket case when I separated. I had done a, a good amount of healing work through my journey of personal development, self-development. I studied meditation and I'd done a lot of self-inquiry. So I already had that advantage, but separating from a relationship and then going into the new field of dating, oh, my God, it was hilarious. It was so funny. When I dated, it was go to the pub, have a beer, hook up, maybe go skating, maybe you know, sleep together, and then my boyfriend and girlfriend now. It was just like this normal thing, couple of beers, take the skateboards out, have a good time, and now you're my boyfriend. It's very different when you're a grown woman <laughs> and also in the world of online dating and stuff. So what I decided to do was to have a very hard break from relationships so I didn't date anyone um, for a period of time after my separation, I just wanted to do the inner work to work out 
why can't I love people and why can't I let them love me and what's really going on there? So I did a lot of inner work, a lot of healing work. And when I say healing work, that was really looking at where is the trauma that I had that created this wall around my heart. And a lot of it came from a domestic violence relationship when I was 18 years old. That was my first love and it ended really badly and scarred me a lot and sent me down a path of a lot of destruction. So there was a lot of different layers around the heart. And then I got into dating and I was like, oh, what? my God, so many hot young dudes and I'm not that bad looking for a 37-year-old and hot young dudes just want fun and I really wanted some fun at that stage because I hadn't had that when I was young. I was never like single and sleeping around or anything. It was just relationship, marriage. Yep. So I had some fun, but like I got the best dudes today because they all helped me heal. So my very first person that I was with helped me heal my sexuality, right? It helped me really expand and be really open to expressing myself when I had not been that way for such a long time in my marriage. So that was the first kind of part, right? The next guy I was with taught me about intimacy, having eye contact. Like I remember the first night he was hugging me and I was just like laying in my bed. I'm like, oh, my God, please don't make me hug you. And he says, have you never been held? And I'm like, I don't. I don't allow myself to be held. I don't hold hands. I'm not being held. And he's, oh, cool. I'm going to hold you. And we're going to breathe. <laughs> and he was like this six foot six freaking Czech basketball player who's just a giant. I'm five foot five, right? So I'm tiny. He's a giant. He's, I'm just going to hold you and you're going to breathe until it feels okay for you. Does this feel okay? And I'm like, yeah, it feels okay. It feels okay. Like I used to sleep like this, like a coffin sleep like. Like it was so closed off to love and intimacy. So he taught me how to be held. And then the next one would teach me something new. And then I fell heavily for this Scottish guy once who taught me about the importance of loving being on your own. And that was actually the thing that changed everything because I decided that I needed to fall in love with myself. And I needed to fall in love with being on my own before I was even capable of giving a relationship a go. So I did that. I worked a lot on just like sitting at my dinner table on my own without music, without TV, without a podcast, without anything, without children and just sitting on my own and just being, no books, no nothing, just enjoying a meal in silence on my own and falling in love with the magic of the present moment and falling in love with who I am and who I really am as well. All my weird stuff, all my ADHD stuff, like falling in love with me, right? The aspects that have always been the weirdo were the things that I had to learn to love about myself. And ironically, they're all the things that actually everybody else loves about me. I just hadn't fallen in love with them, those aspects of me. So I'd done all that beautiful, wonderful work and I was just dating and I just randomly went on a date with this guy. We'd been chatting for a couple of months trying to tee up a date and it never worked. And then we went on a date and I just was like, well, that was average. He didn't even really want to sleep with me. He just had dinner and left. What was like, what was going on, right? Because that's not why we're on Bumble. 
we're not there to have a lovely dinner and conversation and for them to go home. That's like that's not the that's not the dating. That's not that's why I was. Yeah, that's not why I was there. I was there for a. I've been talking to this person for two months. I'm going on a date. I want to make out. There was no nothing of that sort. None. And I was telling my friend the next day, and I'm like, great conversation, super interesting person, but no chemistry, no spark. And like, I just can't because I didn't have a lot of that in my marriage. So I was like, I just, nah, no way. And she's like, I think you might want to go on the second date with a really interesting person who didn't try to get into your pants on your first date. And I was like, oh, maybe. And she was like, maybe you should try that. Went on the second date and I fell in love instantly. Like after 10 minutes of this man talking about him, his approach to life, I went, oh, crap. This is a good one. This is a really good one. And we didn't sleep together for a month of us being together and built this really beautiful relationship. And this is a man who wanted to have a conscious relationship and has also studied all the same stuff I've studied, Eckhart Tolle, personal development, who shows up for himself on a regular basis. And it was an incredible, wonderful journey. And we laid in bed together and we were like, okay, we're going to do this and it's going to be a conscious relationship. What are the values we want to bring? What is the vibe we want to bring to us? What are, and acknowledge all of our needs, wants and desires. And we built a framework of, I would say, like almost like pillars of what we wanted us to be before we actually got physically and intimately involved with each other. And thank God that was really electric and great because... <laughs> I would have been super disappointed because he's such a cool person and I'd really fallen for him at this point. But we also were blessed with incredible chemistry and attraction. So I really love the concept of you need love, attraction, chemistry and compatibility for it to work long term. And we have all of those things. So the cool part about it was though, we're both runners. We're both runners from love. So, like, <laughs> we had to, like, work through all this stuff together because as soon as, like, we felt, like, a lot of love, the first thing both of us wanted to do was run. And it was so funny. I was more of a runner than he was. He was way more conscious. <laughs> I was just, I was out of there. Many times I was freaking out. But instead of reacting, right, I would have a freak out and ask myself the question, what am I really afraid of here? And peel back the layers of what was what I was really afraid of. And once I'd worked it out and worked through it, really sharing that with my partner was super valuable because a lot of the times he'd be having a mirrored experience and be like, oh, me too. I was freaking out and this and that. And so it's really interesting when you step into a conscious relationship and both people are very conscious because now you have this opportunity to, you will do the work yourself, but you unpack it together. Mm-hmm. And there's some kind of like strange bonding that happens from that. And you're so vulnerable and being like so fully seen in all of your fears and all of your pain and we like to talk about like the cycle that comes up and are we repeating like a cycle from the past and are, or are we consciously altering that? So there's so many things that I think 
having a conscious relationship is completely different to normal relationship because a conscious relationship is having conscious awareness through your relationship and using that as a tool to do your own work, to take your own responsibility for your own happiness, to not project that on someone else, to not seek from them any kind of validation for my own worth, happiness, joy, or love, to bring that from within and allow that to be without and spread through the relationship collectively. It's incredibly different to how I've ever had a relationship go in the past because it's always been, do they like me or am I enough or is this or are they enough for me? And you're always like looking for something that's wrong with them. And there's like this weird way that I grew up looking at relationships and versus what a conscious relationship is. It's such a different journey. You don't ever blame the other person for anything when you have a conscious relationship. You take full responsibility. And if you have an issue, instead of emotionally attacking and blaming, you have a freaking grown-up conversation. And it's and no one's got their egos out. It's yep. two yep. people vulnerably talking about how they're feeling and how can we both work together to make this right. Where can I take responsibility to put in a bit more effort? And where can I take responsibility to allow myself to receive what it is that you have to give? That was my biggest hurdle, was receiving big amount of love that this beautiful, incredible man had for me because I didn't want to. Because you've mentioned it a few times now, the word vulnerability. Yes. And being vulnerable in a relationship. Yeah being able to have those vulnerable conversations mm. comes from a place when you know that there is a safety net, when there is some type of security that it is okay and it is safe to be vulnerable. Yeah. How did you build that in your relationship? Yeah, the it was the very first thing we did before we met when we were texting, and this is how, I mean, he's so much smarter than me about this relationship stuff that he knew back then when we were texting there was something magic that I didn't. I was naive and just going with the motions. But he sent a message and said, hey, I'm going to do things differently and I'm just going to be really honest and like straight up honest. And so all of the surface level stuff that you would like your best foot forward, all that stuff. We just decided from day dot, we were just going to be honest. And I thought, oh, this is a different approach. I'm going to be really, I'm usually pretty straightforward and open. I talk about everything. I don't really, I'm not uncomfortable. So vulnerability for me is a little easier than most, but I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be really honest. But when we first got together, it was like as a couple, it was the like the second date, I think, when we were both like, wow, okay, something really cool is here. We had that discussion instantly. Let's see if we can do things differently. We both admitted we're not usually each other's type. He usually goes for hot Latino women with big boobs, and I'm not that. And he thought, oh, I'll, maybe I'll try something different. And his whole attitude was, if we cannot be fully ourselves and be vulnerable in this, it's not a conscious relationship and I want to give that a go because having sex with hot Latino women hasn't been working out for me very well. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you're not my usual type of guy either and I really wanted to 
bring an element of trying to see something completely new as a wonderful arena of possibility. And in order for us to do that, it was obvious that vulnerability and honesty had to be our top values. And when we spoke about what are the values we would want to bring to an ideal relationship, they were up there for both of us. And so we knew at the start that's what we wanted to have and I knew I wanted to have that and I didn't fully know how to articulate it, but he did. And he led a lot of the, he led a lot of that, those conversations. He led most of the conversations about the kind of relationship he wanted to have. And so we fell madly in love with each other. And I really, truly feel so grateful for that because neither one of us have experienced that before, but we had both spent seven years doing the inner work to take responsibility, to be vulnerable, not just in this relationship, but in friendships and family relationships and stuff. So we'd already been doing years and years of work. And then we met at this perfect timing where we were in the same place. And that's why I think it's easy for us to be vulnerable. I think the concept, so we spoke about the pain body. Do you know what the pain body is? No, I haven't heard of the pain body. It's a concept by Eckhart Tolle. And it's basically just this, that there's like a little egoic trigger that happens when we're threatened and when something is really hitting to a pain we've had before, it's like a an egoic attack takes over and all of a sudden you're only concerned with being right. You're only concerned with proving all of that stuff, all the egoically driven stuff. If you can acknowledge that you're in your pain body in the moment or even if you need to step away and then acknowledge that, and you're trying to have a conscious relationship and both people understand that concept, that makes it so much easier because we were able to say from a vulnerable place, I am being triggered when you say this or I am finding that I am pushing my ego in this moment. Like we, the first time I really knew I wanted to do things differently was we had this lovely conversation and in the conversation we're talking about my business and my business is changing about my business story my business is changing and I was talking about it and he was just being lovely and supportive and trying to be nice and I snapped and was like dude I have been in business for 10 years I was an accountant I like and I like started being a jerk like a total jerk I'm like please don't tell me what to do in my business and and I was like oh man who was that? What was that? And I was so like just weirded out by this. And I'm like, oh, I've been triggered. I've had someone offering me some advice and I'm defensive because I'm confused about my business. I'm confused about what I want to do. I'm feeling fear and all these things. So instead of just letting that go, I rung him up and I said to him, you know what? I just came from a place of egoic control and grossness and real not niceness and I want to apologize because I don't want I don't want to talk to you that way and I don't want to bring that to the table when we're in a relationship ever and he was shocked and he said is this what it gets to be like and I'm like I think so dude I think this is what it gets to be like I think we both get to love each other and take responsibility when we're being an asshole and just apologize for it and do better next time in the moment when we're triggered. 
So then we moved into the next phase of really articulating, I feel triggered, I feel angry. The new thing that we've got is just to say the word describing the emotion and then you don't have to explain it. You don't have to get into it in that moment. You can just acknowledge it. So it's, I feel angry. And you don't have to explain why, who you feel angry about or any of that. You can just label it and then later have a nice conversation. Because most of the time what we're feeling, I think, when we react in our relationships has nothing to do with our relationship. And we're just projecting then our pain onto someone else. And you're finding things. Like when you are in the moment of being angry, you find the reason. It's like you, you'll come up with that justification that we spoke about earlier. Oh, it's got nothing to do with it. Yeah, yep. I always liken it to the dishwasher. You get so angry about and frustrated that people don't stack or unstack the dishwasher the way that you like. Yes. And it's got nothing to do with the dishwasher at the end of the day. Exactly, yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that analogy so much. I had a friend who was having problems with her partner and she said it's because he's a smoker and I'm like, no, it's not. I'm like, dude, no way is that the issue. That's just the thing you can point at, right? There's obviously like lots of stuff going on. But I think also on the when you're in a relationship where you don't have problems with each other, you will often come up against problems in your life. And sometimes it's just even communicating that to your partner that can add vulnerability and consciousness to your relationship because you can say, I'm feeling this way. It has nothing to do with you, but that means I don't want to sit on the phone for an hour tonight. That means I don't want to go out on a date with all of our friends or like you sometimes like missing that element of communication. The other person's left thinking, oh my God, they don't like me anymore. Oh my God, I've done something wrong. Oh my God, it's over. Oh my God. Like the catastrophe on their end is massive. So just say, I'm having a real shit day and like even looking at a cute kitten is not making me feel joy right now. So I need to just not speak to you because I won't be bringing my best self to the conversation and I love you and let's catch up tomorrow. And to see like when that partner or when a person says that to you, to acknowledge that as true and not make it about yourself and not be like, but I need to talk about this, but I need to, I need to just acknowledge that. Today's not the day. Tomorrow we'll be here and you can talk about it then. You don't always have to make it about yourself. One thing I love about you, Carrie Ann, is that you find the positive in everything that we've been speaking about. In terms of all of your relationships, all of the interactions, you've been able to find the positive. Have you always been that way in part or has that come from learning and self-development? Learning and self-development. I know exactly where it comes from too because I was, from my background, miserable, hated the world, hated people in general, like very sort of surface-level bubbly at times but really internally like angry at my traumatic upbringing, angry at my trauma in my relationships. I was also a drug addict for six years, heavy drug addict, had a lot of pain, was blessed at 23 with the pregnancy of my son that made me turn my life around. But I was still processing a lot of pain and anger about the things that I had experienced in my life and just a general hate for the world, just a general 
F this place, it's crap, did not. And so it was really an external validation world that I lived in. I was looking for achievement as bringing me happiness. So I would achieve things and do things and that would bring my happiness. And then when I went through my spiritual, I guess, awakening as some people would call it, I started to do a lot of work with metta. And metta is a Buddhist practice of compassion. And I meditated in this state of compassion for a really long time. I started to see things around me a lot differently. And I was listening to a podcast that was just lively back in the day when podcasts were hardly a thing. And she had a guest on there. It was Byron Katie. And Byron Katie is a beautiful, wonderful woman who does it's the work is actually what her pathway is called. And it's really profound when someone says something and it changes who you are and I've had many moments like that throughout my life but definitely the words by Byron Katie how do you know it should have happened to you that way because it did and I went every single thing that's ever happened to me in my life was for the purpose of who I'm becoming who I am changing into the expansion that I'm having is all because these things happen to me exactly as they should have. And so many people will call that toxic positivity or they will label it as making it like falsifying the okayness with trauma, but it's not. It's acknowledging the trauma that you've been through as a lens of consciousness and saying that was so horrific what happened to me. But that happened to me for a reason and the reason is my journey and pathway in life. The moment you look at all of your stuff like that and you forgive your past experiences and that doesn't make them okay, that doesn't make them right, but how do you know it should have happened to you because it did and if it was meant to be different for you, it would have been, but it wasn't, it was this. So what are your choices to be victim to your trauma or to forgive and let go and find the beauty in the most mundane things throughout your life every single day so that you live from a place of true love and true compassion that allows you to have duality of pain and trauma and also love and joy in your human experience. And that for me was so profound and gave me the fuel to change how I saw everything in my life and I am a true optimist. I will never be victim to my circumstances and what a freeing place to live from. Why would I choose to live from anywhere else? Absolutely. That is beautiful. And to know those words and still be able to repeat those words. Yes. Yeah. How much of an impact that has on you. And it's really hard, like when you've been through incredibly painful, traumatic things to see it through a lens of compassion is really hard. To see it as that was part of my journey is really hard. And I think sometimes people will be like, oh, that's making it okay. Or if I forgive that, it makes it okay. It's no, that's not okay that happened to you when you were a small child. That's not okay that these experiences, like, that none of that is okay, but it happened. What are your what? What's your choice from here? To be in pain 
or to move into love. I mean, really, truly. And there will always be things that trigger me. There will always be things that I, for the rest of my life, I will always be affected by the traumatic things that I went through throughout my life. And I have learned to love that about me, to love my trauma and not reject it. So when I'm crying and I'm in pain and I can't move because I'm emotionally so triggered by a memory or something that's happened, I don't make myself wrong for that. I love myself through that. And I say, it's absolutely okay that you cannot work through this right now. It's absolutely okay that you're in tears about this right now. It is acknowledging that it's the same with my addiction. I always acknowledge that's a partnership now I have forever, right? So I can't do certain things in life because I understand that I have a, I'm an addict. So therefore I then have to have different things in place, right? I love myself for that instead of judging myself for that. I could really give myself a hard time for the person I used to be, but I chose not to do that, to just love myself. And for anyone who's into the idea of living from that lens of love, I highly recommend the book from Louise Hay called You Can Heal Your Life. It is That's a good book. Yeah. It's profound. It's so forgiving in every aspect of pain that you could have gone through in your life. And for if you're someone who's experienced a lot of pain around relationships, like myself, sexual abuse as a child or domestic violence as an adult, you have so much work to do to be able to live in a loving, conscious relationship, more work than other people do have to do it. But that doesn't mean it's not worth it and that doesn't mean that you cannot create a life that is so perfect and loving for you and you absolutely can recreate your whole entire life from a sad, miserable, angry woman to a woman who is filled with love and joy and finds the beauty in everything every single day of her life. It's Let absolute- me ask you this one question, Karen. What is the one thing you want people to know when it comes to creating healthy, loving, and fulfilling relationships? Oh, the one thing is to take responsibility for your own happiness. Because if two people are in a relationship showing up for themselves, it naturally means you can show up for the relationship. Yeah, I'd say that would be the most important thing. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. I will make sure that all of your details are in the show notes below. But thank you so much for coming on. It has been so nice chatting to you. Thank you for having me. It's so lovely to share the story and my my story and I hope it's inspired anyone who's on the journey to really approach this from a different viewpoint. And your work is so important in the world and I can't wait to share it with so many people because I think the things you're doing is creating pathways for people to achieve what I had achieved on my own and had I had someone like you through the process, it would have been a lot easier. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think congratulations for doing such beautiful work in the world and I am so happy that I got to meet you and have this talk with you. Likewise. Thank you so much, Carrie ann You're welcome. And thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Relationship Talks. If you can, I'd love for you to jump on and leave a review. And whilst you are at it, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
Please join me again next week when we get to take a look at our own posters at someone else's relationship. But until then, I am your host, Laurie Brooke, and remember the choice is yours to make today and the week the very best it can be.